0: Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives, their leadership styles forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as serial entrepreneur Maurice Manley II, Interviews Present and Future Icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. You are listening to episode number 101 Stand in Your Life Force. Making adjustments in life is essential and a necessary skill to have, especially when attempting to recreate new and improved experiences. I had to call on a good friend of mine who is notorious for making such pivots. Ken Feewell is a life coach, property manager, multi-family contractor, has a background in film and television, and recently entered into the fitness industry with his patent-pending master squat vest. Ken didn't always have this robust resume, but as you listen in, you will learn how he leans into himself to create new and better opportunities for his life. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Ken Feewell. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. Joining me today is a good friend of mine. I don't even know what to say about this man. He um, does so much. He's a just a great, wonderful human being. But on top of him just being him, he's a life coach, a property management, uh, multi-family construction. He remodels. He writes for film and TV. He has a brand fitness company. And he just created the Master Squat Vest. This guy right here, just honored to have him my friend for over 20 years now Ken Feewell what's going on sir
1: how you doing Maurice glad to uh, be a, be a part of the show brother thank you for having me
0: man thank you for coming on so before we uh before we we actually began recording you was going in heavy on on, on life force and <laughs> negative and who, inspiration, aspiration, who's behind. we I, I want you to uh, expound on that, but I want to lead the people into it, right? So yeah. backing up a little bit and looking at everything that you have done and that you are doing, what drives your passion and creativity? Uh,
1: most importantly is knowing that I, I come from nothing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Literally, I I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. Uh, You know, a couple of blocks from me, Stanley Tookie Williams. uh, Across the street from me, Free Ricky Ross, the first billionaire drug dealer. Mm -hmm. And all I had was my inspiration was knowing that one, I'm alive. Two, I grew up in a neighborhood where I wasn't supposed to reach my 18th birthday. So my mom said... You know, for 10 straight days, your butt is in the house until you turn 18. Because We're going to prove we're going to prove the media wrong. Mm. And I became 18. Um, we didn't have a car. You know, if it was five miles or less, we walked.
0: OK, literally,
1: you know, so knowing that I come from nothing, everything, everything around me is possible.
0: Hmm. Hmm. But th- now, so. <laughs> That mindset of everything around you being possible, was that present when you were that kid growing up in South Central with nothing or or, 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 or is that something that you grew into as you got older? Do you know what I mean?
1: No, um, I I didn't know it at first off. I mean, we're talking early, early stages, you know, five, right. six years old. I didn't know it. I was scared of everything. Every time my mom looked out the window, she saw <laughs> me running from some gangs. She was like, boy, my baby going to be a track star. <laughs> you know, because I quickly figured out, huh, I can outrun a gang member. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, back then they put their hands on you. They didn't shoot you Right, then. right, back right. Then, they would put their hands on you. So... I would run around them until they just got tired and gave up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then eventually I ran into this family next door to me called the Mallory's. The Mallory's hmm. were Herbert Mallory, Michi Mallory, Michael Mallory, Oscar Mallory, Gerald. It was 15 of them in one household. Hmm. And they took me under their wing. And the first fight that I had to fight, I was afraid to fight. So they called their cousin, Kevin, you know, he's about six, I was four, whatever, you know, they still wanted you to fight back then. <laughs> and and then they said, you know, Kevin, fight him. And I remember the praise and the accolades that Kevin got for fighting. Hmm. And it drove me. That sparked me from there. And then as we move through life, <clears throat> and it's funny we talk about this, so I'm, I'm going to touch this one subject real quick. Okay. We talk about superstars. We talk about business people. We talk about the athletes that just drive us to go, wow. And the one thing that America has got and one thing that America has forgot, especially people of color, have forgot every one of those great persons, those great people, great athletes will fight you on every street corner. That's true. And that is is what separates those that are willing to just do the normal mm. versus those that are willing to just do anything and everything that it takes to be great. Right. And then that's when I learned how to put up my fist, mm. and start fighting everything that I want. So, you know.
0: So, so when, um, what was his name? Robert, what's the guy that they want? Went- the guy that they wanted you to fight? What was his name?
1: Oh, he was a he was a next-door neighbor. I, I think his name was Marion. His so, name was Marion. And they wanted me to fight him. Marion was seven and I was like four or five years old.
0: Wow. So when Marion got the praise for fighting you, was it was it the praise that you wanted or or the attention? Or was it just the fact that You wanted to be able to put hands on him, too.
1: You know, it was the praise. You know, it was like I I watched everybody go around him and and pat him on the back and tell him he's going to be the man. I just remember that. I I remember it like, you know, yesterday, you know, uh, I'm I'm 57 years old and I still live like a kid. And I can still remember that moment of people patting him on the back, having the courage to Mm. fight and that's what it's about. We 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 lack courage in society today.
0: You are 100 percent right. You are especially amongst our people. Right. Yes. We, 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 we get very complacent and we lack the courage to stand up, the courage Correct. to just take one more step. That. Yeah. Huh? So for you, it was just whether whether you win or lose matter not it was just having the courage getting the praise for stepping up correct right. i love it i love it how are you able to do what you do so well and when and that and that question pertains to um like new explorations right cuz every and i've seen you i've seen you over the years every time you pick up something new whether you're familiar with it or not you <laughs> You do and execute like at a at a high. Like it, it, almost on the outside looking in. It almost looks like, oh, he's done this already. <laughs> like, like if I didn't know you, <laughs> yeah. And, and I've always looked at you like, no, he didn't do that. I remember you working at Warner Brothers. <laughs> I'm you start writing scripts. And, and, and I remember your first script, the first draft, you gave it to me to read. And yeah. I was at home and I was reading it. And I said. What? I didn't know he was a writer. Yeah. And, and, and then I, I came and I talked to you, I said, you written before you was like, no, nah, this is my first one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
0: how are you able to do what you do so well?
1: You know, it's, it's it's accepting failure and not being afraid to fail. Hmm. Uh, you know, that's the most important part. Uh, when I was working at Warner Brothers Studios, you know, I'm a charismatic guy. I was hanging out with Dean Cain, George Clooney, Will Smith, Rob Lowe, Brad Pitt, uh, all the executives at Warner Brothers who touched me and inspired me to be great. John Showman, Steve Spirit Doug Frank, Gary Cradle, you know, president. And... At the time I was at Warner, I was at Warner Brothers Studios 15 years and and they called me low budget big man. What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? And 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 everybody says you hang out with all the big people, but you don't have no money. And I was like, So basically, I'm a big person without money.
0: Huh. Interesting. Did did, did, did did several people call you that or was it just oh, like...
1: The whole lot. <laughs> it wasn't several, the whole lot. I was admired, you know, by the entire lot. I, I created a movement. Um, when I got to Warner Brothers Studios in 93, 94, mm-hmm. I think, 93, um, I started in the mailroom. Mm. And I remember my first interview with a beautiful young lady. Who's still an HR director, I think, in entertainment? Her name was Karen Featherstone. And I interviewed with her and I went in there, you know, because I came in from a different background. Okay. You know, I I came in from trying to be the man in the streets to going here going, you know what, I'm going to change my life. I have a daughter now. Um, I need a full time job. I need to be inspired to be great. And I went there and Karen, Karen Featherstone looked at me. I came in with a nice suit on, you know saying, have a watch everything, have jewelry <laughs> jury hanging. And, and she was like, um, are you sure you want to start in the mailroom? Cause you look like you're, you're trying to model. You look like you're trying to act. What's going on here? And at that time, <clears throat> Karen didn't know that I was in a life change and I needed that job. Mm. And I literally looked at her at the end of the interview and she was like okay well, well we'll let you know you know if if we're going to move forward to the next phase of this uh you know thanks for coming and i was like okay it in my head and something said "Can go real mm. go real stop you need a job you need to change your life you need to be a dad you need to be a father change it stop and i said I just looked at her and said, Excuse me, can you can you give me a second? She said, Um, interview's over. I said, I I just stopped before I even said another word. I took off my watch, I took my earrings out, I took my necklace off, I put it, she had a napkin holder on her desk. Okay. And I took a napkin and put it all in a napkin, and I threw it in a trash can behind her. And I said, I need this job. Mm. And she says, you're higher.
0: Just like that.
1: Just like that. And then when I was walking to the to the door to leave, um, there was something else I wanted to do because I knew so many others from my neighborhood that wanted to change their lives. Yeah. That wanted to, to do something better. And she says, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. And I enjoyed you. And thank you for being real. And I stepped away and I stopped at the door and turned back and I said, anything? She said, "Uh uh-oh, what does that mean? (laughs) I said, I have about five neighborhood friends that really, really need a job and they're on the wrong side of the law and they want to change their life. Wow.
0: And what she said? Three
1: Three months later, no, two months later. Uh, Karen Featherstone hired three of them, and then two, and then three months later, she hired the other two. She hired all five people from the hood. Never had jobs before. What? Yes.
0: So she hired them on the spot too, for the most part.
1: Just- <clears throat> she hired them because I stated my name there.
0: Wow. Wow. So. It seems like taking the jewelry off, right, and throwing it in the trash. Yes. Took you out of being a caricature and it humanized you. Yes. Right. And it was that that humanization that was that you you that enabled you to connect. Which is what got you the job. Did you yeah. did you know that in real time in the moment or was that no. like a spiritual type of uh, of thing?
1: It was spiritual.
0: Hmm. And and I think what's important about that is you were obedient. Yes. I, I I feel like oftentimes in life, you know, us all of us, we get these these unctions, if you will, to to do certain things, and at that point, it's critical because we have a choice. We can either choose to listen and and obey, or we can use our own mind and and try to figure it out ourselves. And when we, and when we when we use our own mind to try to do it, we screw it up. Correct. And I think what you did, listening to Spirit, ties back into that four year old Ken that had the courage to just step up and 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 follow that 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 unction in spite of because I'm sure yes. I'm sure in the moment it was a little intimidating, a little scary. You're thinking like, man, I lost it. I'm not going to get this job. And and you got this jewelry on. You take it, put it in a napkin and throw it in the trash. Did you go back to the trash and get it afterwards? No. Not many people would do that. Jewelry? You took a watch off, earrings, <laughs> and the necklace and put it in the trash and left it.
1: Wow. Yeah. And it was it was you know, people ask me about that, you know, like, can, you know, you know, what kind of jury was it? And, and, and I tell them, you know, from my younger years, you gotta remember, I I grew up around hustlers. I was trying to make it any way possible and was quite successful at it. So I didn't have any cheap jury at that time, Mm. you know, the chain that MC hammer wore and still in his videos to this very day, Um, Michael Parisi in downtown uh, Los Angeles in Jury District on 6th and Figueroa is the one who created that chain, and I am the original designer of that chain before MC Hammer even bought it.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. See? You see what I (laughs) meant? This guy designing (laughs) chains. Your resume is, is crazy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it, it's it's just it's just Maurice when you grow up with nothing, and you know I didn't have any brothers uh, or sisters that I knew of at that time. I, my de- later my later years I had a stepsister, mm-hmm. uh, less who I love dearly today, um, but at that time, <clears throat> you know I lived in a very bad neighborhood, mm. and you know before I was eighteen, I think I buried probably more than thirty of my friends to gun violence. Man, so. I had to be creative inside of the house. Mm -hmm. And so I had to draw, I had to write, I had to paint, I had to create, you know, my mom would put me in my room and go, your room is junky, Uh, declutter it, you know, um, mom made a little extra money today, you know, here's a gallon of paint, Mm -hmm. be creative. Mm. So I had to do all these things over and over and over. And to your initial question, how do you try so many things? Is because you get them by practice. Yeah. You got to practice. You know, um, <clears throat> we grow up in a society where more around us, we feel that we've gained more. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually the decluttering of what's around us that separates us.
0: It's true. Very you know, true.
1: Declutter, organize, practice, create and then most importantly, execute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What drew you to storytelling?
1: <laughs> 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 um <clears throat> I've I've written all my life. Um And, uh, you know, back then, when, um, you know, the world was really upside down, it's interesting today because I'm old enough to know the difference Mm -hmm. and see the difference and have saw the difference. So, you know, storytelling, you know, when I saw injustice happening in Los Angeles, I wrote everybody. I wrote the fire department. I wrote the news, (laughs) you know, just like a little letter, a handwritten letter. You know, hey, you know, channel seven, my friend was beat up yesterday. Can you please help him? So I I started writing letters and putting them in the mailbox. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm telling on everybody. I, I don't care. You know. My my mom always told me, you know, there's a couple of things that separate everything. You know, we need law enforcement, yes. Mm-hmm. But you got good cops versus bad. Yeah. And you got ghetto versus non-ghetto. And my mom said, there is no such thing as a ghetto. I was like, really?
0: Yeah, what we living in right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what is this? And she said the most profound thing to me. And that was, the ghetto is not in the ghetto. The ghetto is in the people.
2: Mm. Mm. I
1: was like, okay. Took me years. Took me almost 25 years to really understand that. But then something happened when I was 11 years old and I never, ever, ever, ever forgot. I never knew that your circumference, everything around you, Mm -hmm. we're talking home, apartment, uh, workspace, we're talking car, everything around you—there There is power. This is going to trip you out. This is going to trip you out. I guarantee you, you've never heard of this in your life. There is power in being clean.
0: Huh. Unpack that.
1: Okay. Never understood. Never understood. There is power in being clean and organized. And I was like, get out of here. So let me unravel that for you. Um, I was 11 years old. South Central Los Angeles. Um, I think we had just moved to a two bedroom because at that time, earlier before that, you know, my mom could only afford one bedroom. Mm-hmm. My mom had a bed. I had this little twin bed right next to it, you know. And so I was like, okay, let me figure this out. So we moved to this two bedroom apartment. We moved from 93rd Normandy to 90th Ballon. And uh, we lived in this uh, 10 unit building lower uh, four units downstairs five units upstairs Mm -hmm. and the guy upstairs kills his girlfriend and my mom was a a particular uh, uh, we call it OCD today Mm -hmm. but back then you're just being clean and organized no big deal right? you know and my mom uh, heard the shot we woke up she says, stay inside, don't move. Uh, the police cl- came about 30 minutes later, like five police cars pulled into this long driveway because you can pull into this driveway where it's one you, one way in, one way out. Hmm. And all the the whole driveway was filled with police cars. And back then, you know, they had the little radio CB where they called yeah. into the station, whatever, to say what's going on, but it wasn't working.
2: Huh. And...
1: So one of the police officers, he knocked on every door. Everybody was scared to answer the door. Nobody answered the door. Because you know, back then we had good cops and we had bad cops. And this particular cop came to our door, knocked on the door and said, ma'am, I need to use your phone. My mom said, well, come on in. You know, you're, you're welcome to come in and use the phone. He was like, nah, that's okay. Bring your phone to the door. And back then, you know, you had the big, heavy phone with the cord attached to it. So you got to you got to take the cord to the door. Right. And so she was like, I guess you won't be using this phone because I'm not bringing it to the door. Hmm. So he sat there for about 30 seconds, looked at his partner, looked back at the door, needed to make this call to say this woman upstairs is dead. Yeah. He said. He sighed looked at the metal door, opened the metal door, and then stepped in and stopped in his tracks, stopped in his tracks, one step in. He looked at the organization of the apartment, Mm -hmm. the cleanliness of it, knowing that she was cooking in the kitchen, the wonderful smell. He looked all the way down the hallway to the bathroom. Bathroom was organized and clean. My door was right behind where you enter, so he peeped in and looked at the bedroom door. I'm sitting there on my bed looking right at him. Hmm. And he eyed in my room, looked around, saw the different colors, the cleanliness, the closet was open, everything was organized. He looked back at my mother and said, ma'am, you have a wonderful place. And I, don't often see this Wow and my, my mother said well quite thank you Anything else I can do for you He said no all I remember right after that when he said no I remember something failed I went to my closet figured it out cleaned it up um, pushed everything back I remember to do my homework because I had just stopped my mom was a particular on that. I did about maybe 10, 15 questions on my math. By the time I went back in the living room, every one of those police officers were sitting in the living room, sitting on those couches with the plastic <laughs> covers, eating fried chicken, drinking lemonade, talking about the good times and the bad times. And I knew right then and there, the power of being clean and organized, it crosses gender, It crosses thought Mm. It crosses races uh, Different races It crosses people of all color Mm -hmm. Because we're perceived On how we live How we think And how we drive Right. I will never forget
0: it Wow That's a great story How do you define And you may have touched on this earlier Mm. um, So I'm going to try to worded a little differently how do you define what's <laughs> how do you define what's possible for you versus what's realistic
1: uh with my mindset you know um maurice everything is possible um i don't really define it because i know that i'm just as great is any other person out there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, Greatness is defined in those who do not give up. Yeah. And I will never give up. Right. I will never stop pursuing greatness. But the most important part about being great or trying to be great, because you gotta be mindful. I was on the movie lot for 17 years, Mm -hmm. I mean, 16, 15 years. And then after I left, I was a media president in one uh, in Atlanta, Georgia for livid media. Although all that time, I remember, um, actors, um, being some of the loneliest people I've ever met in my life.
0: Mm-hmm. I kind of remember us talking about that years ago.
1: Yeah, literally. Yeah. They were lonely when that camera is off. They're like, what do I do? Right. I go? That's why so many of them get in trouble off the camera. Mm. Um, and what, what that taught me was you have to bring those along with you. Yes. It can't just be you. Right. You know what I'm saying? The same people you see on the way up, you may see them people on the way down. Yeah. You have to bring them with you. When I was at Warner after I got my friends in, mindful, Karen Featherstone, by my 15th year, hired 37 of my friends.
0: Sheesh. Wow. Now, do you know are those friends, are they still there or did they go on to like did they continue to elevate or
1: they continue to elevate, which is very interesting you bring that up. They continue to elevate until I left. Really? Yes.
0: So the minute you left and they just plummeted,
1: they just started falling off. Wow. The what do you, moment I left,
0: what do you think? And this is, is
1: just, and this is 30, so 30 plus people of my friends. This, this is people out of my neighborhood. Yeah. This is not the people once I became an award winning editor. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, later they found out what I was doing and they called me Harriet Tugman, you know, because. <laughs> I would meet people, you know. You wear your Water Brothers badge, and then you know you get the, you get to, you know, you get to tighten up the shirt, and go yeah. across the street, and hang out, and go eat, and go to the bars. But everybody knew you after a period of time. Right. And then year after year after year after year, we would go to our favorite restaurants, our bars, our eateries. They all knew us over there in Toluca Lake, you know, downtown Burbank. Mm. You know, we were like, you know, the people. Yeah. You know? I'm like, hey, that's WB, you know, their WB is winning awards, that's Ken Fuehl, he's been there forever. So, people get to know you, and I would run into people that, you know, I would see their license plate, you know, I park my car, i see their license plate, Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, Mississippi, uh, Florida, all these people would come in with all these aspirations, mm. and I would look on their car, you know, their car, I would look, and I would see Everything scattered on the dashboard, which means either they were living in their car or they traveled a long way. Mm. And they would see me and go, Oh my God, I would do anything to get on the Warner Brothers Studios live. And and I would literally interview them in the restaurant or in the parking lot or in Taglo Bell or in my favorite Mexican joint. You know, I would be like, Why? Wow. What do you do? And, and, and half of them wanted to be editors and, and, and producers and they had these stories. And I came out here with nothing and I have no money. I have no gas. And I would literally start your car. I hmm. would look inside, Carbione, i go, follow me to the gas station. We're going to fix one thing. Yeah. You know, if you didn't have food, you got food tonight. Yeah. You know, and then I became people who, who stayed in touch with me. And and I knew that their aspirations were real and they were genuine and and they were pretty much homeless. Mm. Uh, I became that light to where I'm going to put you in my trunk. If you're willing to get in the trunk, (laughs) I will get you on the lot, and I will take you anywhere that you need to go.
0: Wow. Just big heart. I took them.
1: Yeah. I filled their gas tank.
0: Was your mom like that? What does she have a, a real big heart?
1: Absolutely. Every, every hoolam in the neighborhood knew my mother because Mm. she walked. Remember if it was five miles left, she walked, you know, she'd go to the grocery store. She had hands of stone. She literally would have, you know, five grocery bags in one hand and five grocery bags in the other. And I'm four or five years old walking behind her with my one. Mm. And she would give you that quick look. That means, Get your ass in gear.
0: Hurry up. up. Let's there. go.
1: <laughs> so I would hold that bag and once she gave you that look, I would get up there right next to her and we were walking foot by foot, soldier by soldier.
0: Wow. What, so, what, oh, go right. ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go.
1: No, I'm just saying that she was, you know, she was that inspiration and every Hulam in the neighborhood knew her. Hmm. Um, you know, any trying to, anybody try to do anything to, you know, Maureen,
0: that was your ass because everybody knew it. Yeah, that's great, man. And, and I'm sure that those had to been some fun, insightful times. You know, even though it, it it's so interesting because in the moment of of life, you don't realize what's taking place. It's not until after the moment passes and then you look back and you're like, man, that that was history right there absolutely you know absolutely. It, I always fathom over that but so what I want to ask you is when you're in your creative uh space right mm-hmm. what internal uh guidelines do you have for yourself if any when when you're creating and it could be creating uh-huh. anything
1: when when creating, um, first you have to think outside of the box and know and believe exactly what are you trying to create? Mm-hmm. Has it already been created? You know, that's most important to know that you're, you're moving down a path that's uncharted yeah. and you, you can't be afraid to do it. You know, you, you have to be inspired to do it. And oftentimes you can't tell your friends, you can't tell your loved ones because they will talk you right out of, it. Mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. they want you to hang out. Right. You know, I have people today going, Ken, how could you grow up near Stanley Tookie Williams? Never been in a game free Ricky Ross right across the street from you mm-hmm. first being a drug dealer. Don't sell drugs. And not use drugs, right. not try drugs. I told everybody I was I was poor. I ain't had no money. <laughs> you got to have money to yeah. buy drugs. Yeah,
0: you do. You do.
1: And I kept that. I kept that 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 mantra. I kept that throughout my life.
2: Mm.
1: Thinking you know, I went to some Hollywood I went to some Hollywood parties. We won lots of awards at Warner Brothers. And you literally would see any and everything at some of those parties. Yeah. I would walk right by it. Right. It never bothered me, never enticed me, never even brought up thought Hmm. to try. Right. You know, I'm just a kid in a candy shop because I wasn't supposed to reach 18.
0: Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unbelievable. And how do you optimize your time?
1: I don't, I don't. I I wish I could tell you that, yes, I get up, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do that. And I I don't. Um, Spiritually, um, I removed every alarm clock and physically removed every alarm clock in my house. Really? Yeah.
0: Tell me about that, like in terms of, What was the purpose for you?
1: From a very, from a very young age, the alarm clock always woke me up abruptly. Mm. Like, a, like eh, 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 I gotta get up. And growing up in the ghetto, I was always afraid. And most people to this very day, blinds are closed. Blinds are closed. Hmm. And when I had the courage one day to open the blinds up, I said I wasn't going to live in fear. That's part of it. And then opening the blinds, naturally, I started to wake up when the sun came up. Hmm. And it felt normal. Interesting. And if I had to wake up before the sun came up, I just drink two glasses of water. Just like the Indians did. Really? Drink two glasses of water before you go to bed. You will wake up before the sun comes up.
0: Drink two glasses before you go to bed. Before you go to bed. And you're waking up and now are you waking up because you gotta go to the bathroom? <laughs> 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 or you might wake up in the middle of the night.
1: <laughs> yeah. Either yeah, way. It depends on the bladder. It might be one glass. It might be half a glass. But waking up naturally was, is so much more enjoyable.
0: Yeah, it is. You know,
1: and now I naturally wake up at 5.30, 6 o'clock. No alarm. No alarm. No alarm.
0: But now I'm, I'm going to assume that you go to bed early.
1: No. No, no, not at all. So, I go to bed at 11, 12, 1 o'clock, you know, if if something is talking about being creative and, and I'm flowing and I'm in my moment, you know, if it's to write another script, if it's to edit a song, uh, if it's to do something in business, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you you ever sat back and you have a great idea and you go, man, that's going to be a good idea. That's going to be a good idea, but you don't write it down. Yeah. And you forget it later. Yes. I actually get up and wake up and start processing it. Because if it's in my head, I just got to get it on a piece of paper. Hmm. So right next to my bed, I got paper, pen, and I have two digital recorders. OK, little mini ones, you right. know, like 40 bucks. Yeah. And sometimes I wake up half of my sleep and I just record those great thoughts. And I may fall back asleep sleep for another 30 minutes. But when I get up, I listen to those thoughts. Mm. I write down, you know, Mm. the great part about an idea. We don't write it down. It's true. And then if we do write it down, we don't execute on it. So like, go ahead.
0: No, I was saying you're so right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, ideas without execution Mm -hmm. is straight up hallucination.
0: Oh, ideas without execution is hallucination. Yes. I like that one. I haven't heard that before.
1: Yes, sir. I got
0: to write that. (laughs) (laughs) Telling you now I'm going to plagiarize that somewhere. (laughs) So let me know if I need to pay a fee.
1: (laughs) You you, got to you got to execute you know you you gotta you gotta you you can't be afraid to just let somebody tell you no so what
0: yes yeah so
1: you know what i'm saying um clint eastwood so clint eastwood and i I would see him on the lot you know his office was right by my office Mm -hmm. Um, I would cut film he would always look in there and see what was going on and I told him I said man one day I'm going to have your last and greatest film he looked at me like my last and greatest film Hmm. I said that's right I'm going to write Family of Warriors I'm going to write a black western and I'm going to team you up with Harriet Tugman during the Underground Railroad is going to be undeniable. Mm. And he says, why would you do that? I said, because it's my heritage. Yeah. When you had runaway slaves, you also had runaway Indians. Yeah. And a lot of them form families together up in the Carolina woodlands. And I'm part of that family. I'm one of the direct descendants. And he looked at me and said, well, that sounds interesting. Make sure that you find me when you're done. Hmm. Well, I finished that story. I took it to his office and it is 20 years later and he has still not addressed it. Wow. And people tell me to this very day, why don't you just give up? You know, he said he was going to be around and yet he's not around. And I go, so. Hmm. He has every right to tell me whatever he wants to say. Yes. And if he doesn't act on it, that is on him. Yeah. I completed what I started. Right. And when God decides or people or spirits decide for that thing to happen and be great, then it will be great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's true. But my part's done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> at least at this point, at this junction, it's done.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: but yes. I know you. You're never done.
1: <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm always going to. You know what? It's like fishing. When you have a completed project, you just keep throwing it back out. Yeah. You know, you just pull in on it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You only need one great person to be inspired by uh, your vision and your avenue, and 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 then they can take it from there.
0: That's true. So true. So true. And and what areas of your life would you say that you dominate in?
1: Ah, uh, I would say my dominant areas, um, I would say most importantly, the inspiration of people. I dominate in that moment. Mm. I can inspire someone with very little life energy and ethics. hmm and I can guarantee you in a half hour session, which is sitting and picking their brain yeah, and then me intervening on 15 to 20% of that time, I can inspire them to greatness.
0: That, you know what, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about that right there, dominating in that area, To me, that is the key that like, that's the secret sauce, because if you can, if you can move people, galvanize them around you, that's the true definition of, of leadership, right? And not only that, but people behind you pushes you forward. It pushes them because you're, you're inspiring and you're motivating them, but it also pushes you, right? So it's this, it's this consistent, um, Ecosystem or reciprocity, if you will, you're giving, but you're also getting because you're moving closer or, or you're moving forward. You're giving more. You're lifting them up. You're pushing them higher, but yet they're behind you and they're pushing you as well. And I believe that is probably based on the, all of the stories that you've you've um, shared thus far that has gotten you to where you are now.
1: You're Absolutely.
0: In, right. You know. In spite of not growing up, not having anything, but you still inspired people. You still helped people. Your heart was so big that you always pulled people in. You always looked out for them. And because of that, others noticed, and even the people that you helped noticed, and they kept pushing you up, 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 up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, because oftentimes, you know, even to this very day, we're. Uh, it could be you it could be the people uh, behind you it could be your family members it could be the ones that are listening or watching right now
2: mm-hmm.
1: we can you ever had a birthday party and everybody tell you at the birthday party you're the band you know it's your thing you know go or it's a female go girl and and, and you got it and it's your world and, and do all these wonderful things yeah a lot of times for me whenever I had those parties I always called you know, So you got the 11 o'clock hour and you got the 12 o'clock hour. So if the party lasts past 12, between 12 and two, I call that the white noise. Hmm. What I mean by the white noise is I'm talking, you had fun. You guys partied, you ate, you laughed, you hugged, you cheered, you danced, you know? Um, And then the white noise era is where It starts to calm down, but your ears are still ringing from the loudspeakers, the DJ doing his thing. And you start to pay attention to those that are leaving. And one time in Atlanta, Georgia, I was president of a media company and and life was great. I had everything that I could ever want Mm -hmm. in life. And I had a big party and throughout the whole night, People saying, you know, man, you did this, and oh my God, you're the next, whatever, whatever, and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of snuck away and went upstairs and I looked out over my balcony and I had this big U-shaped driveway. And I started watching some of the cars leave. And so I'm watching, you know, family members, friends, co-workers, loved ones, people that I consider to be real friends and family that were at this party. And so I saw cars leaving, uh, some didn't start, some did, were smoking as they left, uh, some had a fl- one had a flat tire, uh, others just didn't look like new and just didn't look kept. Yeah. And I thought to myself, damn, this whole night, all I was told was I'm the man. Mm. And I knew to myself then, I've lost myself. Because at Warner, I was the man because mm. I looked around. She hired 30 something of my friends. And then plus those that I hid in trunks and got them jobs and got them on production, uh, stages and coordinators. And, uh, I, you know, all the people that I changed, I could look around and walk around Warner and I could see people that I, hired, you know, somebody that Karen hired my friends Yeah, and I could wink at them and they could wink back. And we knew it was like, okay, let's get it on. I got that energy. They see my energy. I'm progressing. They're progressing. But when I got to, you know, Atlanta and it was all about be the man and have the floor seats, I had this party. And seeing all these average cars leaving, I was like, I've lost myself. Mm. Uh, I'm not great. I'm not the man. Mm. Because if I was the man and I was great, all these cars would be new. Mm. because I would have shared the knowledge. I would have shared the wealth. I would have shared the experience, shared the education. I would have continued. Yes. So a lot of times we have to be careful about what we pray for and what we want. So true. Two, Two different things. Yeah. What we pray for and what we want. And then within the want, be willing to execute, hmm. you know, and that goes back to your time management, you know, where we go, how do you separate the time? I literally take one thing at a time and execute it. And then I shelve it so that I could see it. Okay. I don't hide it because you'll lose it. Hmm. You have to put it in plain sight, you know, I used to, back in the day, I used to put tape on the backside of the paper and tape it on my wall and tape it on this wall, tape it behind that door and tape it behind that. And I would get to different levels of execution. Okay. And with that practice, I now can rotate things, you know, be working on four to five different projects and I know how to execute them Hmm. because it comes with practice. Right. You know, our greatest actors and actresses practice. Yep. Athletes, practice. Right. And and we have to be willing to to fail um in order to succeed.
0: Yeah. Totally agree. What leader do you look up to and admire?
2: Whew. Just give quite me quite a, a
0: few, few. give um, me give me three. But-
1: Uh, Public leader or work experience leader.
0: Doesn't matter. Whatever top three come to your mind.
1: Um, My number one is going to be Doug Frank. Doug Frank is the former president of Warner Brothers Studio Music. Mm -hmm. Um, Doug Frank was the first person to believe in me other than Karen Featherstone of getting and receiving the next level. I I had an interview with Doug Frank, probably um, I think my first year in the Warner Brothers and I'm still just trying to be a good guy, you know, uh, for those that are listening, I'm going to be totally unplugged and tell you the truth. I was trying to be the best Negro. Okay. I was, I sat with Doug Frank and I said, well, sir, uh, I'm in the mail room and I, um, I, I've been here a year, and I haven't missed a day. I've never been late. Um, um, I show up on, on, on time to do my job. Um, I work well with people. Uh, uh, I carry a big smile. Um, all the stuff that is just average Joe stuff. And I gave him this long spill, And he was looking at me, sipping this bottle of water. And I think I was done after about 20 minutes, and he looked at me. He says, let me tell you something. When somebody likes me, give you an opportunity to interview them, I mean interview with them. Mm -hmm. For the rest of your life, I don't want you to ever, ever tell them that story. Mm. The next time somebody tells you or wants to interview you, sometimes you might have to be a little blunt. Yeah and I was like what does that mean? He says you look at them and tell them you want to make more money so that you can buy more shit. <laughs> I was floored. I didn't move. I just looked around <laughs> and I was like sir I I I I I can't I can't say that. And he was like Well, that's the difference between those who have it and those who don't. Mm. In my next interview (laughs) with Dan Gillette, vice president of post-production sound, he says, Ken, why do you want to be here? And I was ready. You tell me I was (laughs) going to give him this long spiel. And I said, I stopped right before I answered. And I sidebared his question by saying, I just had an interview with Doug Frank, and he knew who Doug Frank was. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm here, sir, because I'm a hard ass worker, and I want to make more money, so I can buy more shit. (laughs) And he took a big grin across his face, and says, is that your interview? I said, that's my interview. He says, well, let me think about that, and I'll get back to you.
2: Uh huh.
1: I walked up, walked right back to the mailroom, got my next load of mail, figured out what was <laughs> going to happen, started moving around. By the third trip back to the mailroom, I got a phone call. It was from the president of sound department, And at that time his name was uh, Barry Snyder. Hmm. And Barry Snyder says, this can't feel well? Yes, it is. He said, Welcome to the sound department. Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Doug was right. (laughs) Doug
1: was right. Doug was right. I went from eight dollars an hour. Um, back then, let's see, 92, 93, I went from $8 an hour to $32 an hour. Wow, that's
0: a huge jump.
1: Huge jump. And when I received my first check, um, I remember going to a place called um, Western Union. And at that time, my mom was in South Carolina, inner East, South Carolina. And uh I got that first check, and I think it was about, it was a week's salary. I think it was about, like, $1,600, $1,700. And I sent my mom the whole check, Western Union. Wow.
0: That's great. Yeah. In in your opinion, what makes a leader great and iconic?
1: Um, By inspiring others around them to be greater than they are. Yeah, sounds like you. I'm trying, brother.
0: <laughs> trying everything. <laughs> Sounds like, I mean, your whole your whole essence of you and your story that it fits. All right, so check yeah. it. Final question. This yes. is, this is called the tabula rasa, which stands for ah. stands for blank slate. Yes. All right. So, the artist that you are, you have a blank canvas in front of you. And you have all the colors you could possibly want or need to paint this picture. What you're going to paint is, it's a picture of your life. Now, the caveat is this. You have completed every goal, every project that you set out for. Family of Warriors is out, it's running, it's multi-billion dollar globally film. The volleyball story that you wrote, that's out. Same thing, you have employed millions of people from the inner city, across the globe. You have helped other nations come up. You, you have done tours, speaking engagements. You've created institutions and programs for youth. You have, um, you've done it all. Married, Champagne, your daughter, she's, she's thriving in good health. Um, your master squad vest has sold billions internationally. All of it. Coming back to this canvas, What picture do you paint of your life? What colors do you use?
1: Um, Powder blue, white. Essence of gray. Hints of green. And I would paint the horizon. Mm. Because Life is about chapters and the next day. Mm. And my next day, I've created nothing. So it inspires me to create something.
0: I like that. It's a good one. And by the way, that's an easy picture to paint. So yes, I'm is. I'm a, a task you with painting that.
1: Uh, you know me. I'll put it together. Don't no challenge.
0: I love No, no I'm challenging. you. Paint that picture and hang it.
1: You got
0: it. And that's that's your tabula rasa. You got it. Kim, man, I wanna I wanna salute you. Thank you for not only coming on, but reaching back, helping people, pulling them up. You know, you've again through the years, I I've seen you grow. You've seen me grow. I've seen the work that you put in with with others as well as yourself, and I can say you have always been that friend that not only kept their word, but you actually executed, as you said. You did the work, and you did it for others at all times, at the drop of a dime. And just from me to you, I appreciate you for that. I love you, and I I think you are amazing, and you're doing exceptional things, and just keep it going. Now, I want to open a platform for you, let the people know, how can they go? Where can they get the master squat vest? um, How can they follow you on social media and just go ahead, put your information out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I'm I'm a late bloomer when it comes to social media. I just started an Instagram um, probably a couple of months ago, and it is the letter B underscore real R-E-A-L underscore inspiration it's everything that i'm about be real inspiration and um the master squad vest at this particular time we are looking for investors um, i invented it i have the legal schematics on it and um, i've also have top athletes using it so i'm trying to get their buy-in but i would just love to pass that part on because I've done my background, I've done the creation, I've done the patent pending, and now it needs to be at a higher level, a higher platform. And what makes it great? You can use it anywhere in the world. You can clip it to a pole, a tree, a volleyball net, a basketball court. Um, And um, there are those that are here that are using the vest that have increased their vertical by 10, 15, 20, 30 and one kid 43 inches. Mm. So I know that it is the future of squats. Um, Our body is carried by our legs and it's most importantly that we keep them in great health. Um, I'm going to share with you um, off the scenes of my 79 year old client. Wow. That walked here in a walker. She's 79 years old and now is squatting like nobody's business and jogging. What? Yes.
0: Oh yeah, yes. I gotta see that. I gotta see that. Where yes. Where can the people purchase? Is it is it for sale yet?
1: Um, it's not for sale, but what I'm doing is those that are really inspired to do great things with it, um, I'm having them sign an NDA to make sure they, they keep themselves safe, keep themselves humble, and I'm letting them use the vest um, to see the performance of it, and as long as they film it, you know, put it out on social media. Let them know that this platform is real. It's dynamic, it's mind blowing, and um, we need to just get back to to again completing our day, mastering our area, our time, and the vest is it like nobody's business, mm-hmm. and it's fun because you're leaning back, you're cable supported. And you're literally just using your natural body weight to just enjoy. And when you can build that strong lower body, lower body builds confidence. Yeah. And that puts power within ourselves. And it just inspires you to just keep doing great things. So, um, right now, I'm just sharing it. And again, hoping to find that great investor that just believes in it and knowing that it's the future of squats with what's going on in the world today Mm -hmm. you know and 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 you know we're we're social distancing and a lot of gyms are closed and you can't go do your favorite things in your favorite places you can take this vest anywhere yeah and put your music in a trunk of your car and get to your favorite park your beach location uh and get your squad on and and that's and that's awesome
0: i love it i love it you have any uh, questions for me or final statements or
1: remarks? Um, for you, Reese, I, I, I've been knowing you so long, brother, and I, I've been watching you do your thing and, and you speak of me. But at the same time, I can speak of you because uh, what we have in common is consistency. Mm-hmm. And when we have an idea, we, we execute on the idea. The part that you and I have both learned without saying, a lot of times we have an idea and we try it and it fails. Yeah. And the quickest way through that is if you have an idea and it doesn't work, guess what? Just change the plan. Get a new idea. Right. And we have always changed every time our plan didn't work. Very true. That's what's cool, and that's what I appreciate about you. Thank you. You know, um, so you know, I, I've never said that, but when we meet, it's it's like a, a joining of souls. Yeah. And 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 we know that I can actually listen to this brother, and and know that he's going to speak the truth, and and be humble about the truth. Yeah and 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 that's what i feel when i see you when i look upon your picture in social media or even your new commercial on american <laughs> express you know yeah uh, it couldn't happen to no one greater so i appreciate you just to say
0: thank you man greatly appreciate that ladies and gentlemen can feewell <laughs> I think we can all agree there's nothing like self-belief and determination. Ken has seemingly cracked the code to maintaining focus and diligence. Many of us struggle with time optimization. I know I do. I may take a page out of Ken's book and not be concerned with time, work until I finish or tire. Either way, we should all be inspired by Ken's tenacity to take our charge and lead up. You can follow Ken on Instagram at the letter B underscore real underscore inspiration. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with family and friends. If you are interested in helping communities in need, we have partnered with Lead for Legacy Nonprofit. Their goal is to help build up the inner city by helping small businesses in need. To donate, go to the bottom of the Lead Up podcast description and click the donate link. We thank you for listening, subscribing, and as always, keep leading up.